Are you guys ready up there? Hello and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a producer and Women in Film and Television board member. This year, with the support of Commission Naman, Women in Film and Television recorded a special podcast live from the House Hotel at the Galway Film Fla. We spoke with two documentary filmmakers about their powerful and timely projects, which screened at the festival. A Whale is directed by Kira Nikormuk and produced by Mind the Gap Films. Kraha Radochaka is directed by Kira Highland and produced by her company Wonderpix. But first, we spoke with Alan Esselmont, Director General of TG Cahar, about our new partnership. I, mean, I think that TG Cahar and in general Irish language uh, sector has always uh, valued the importance of, of, of having women um, and in, in probably I think we were ahead of the English language um, sector in that um, and since we started um, both in the crafts but also in, in production and in executives uh, I've, I've been working all the time with the strongest female role models and some of them yeah, an, an awful lot of them have real national profile. Um, and working together, for me personally, it, it's given huge fulfillment. Uh, and I think that when you get gender balance, when, when you have a, a, a really uh, healthy ecosystem, uh, male, female, um, diversity, that's when you get the best results. That's when you get um, the best things on, on, on screen. So I'm really, really delighted to work uh, and to start to work with uh, WFD. So these are just two really, really wonderful films that are so different. But I think that female voice through them is so strong. And the, the storytelling and, and the look, craft and, and activism is there throughout the both of them. So I just want to say is you give voice to um, outsiders' perspectives. And I'm just wondering if you guys could tell me about finding the subjects of your films. How did they come to you? And I'm just going to start with Ovale, actually, if that's okay. How did you yeah. get into that world? I suppose I'm kind of of that world in a way, because I was um, a DJ for many years and like grew up listening to hip hop and um, that was another thing I suppose that was a scene where there weren't very many female DJs <laughs> that was in the 90s there's a lot more now but um, so like I really grew up on, on hip hop and but like a lot of what is mentioned in the film it was really borrowed American you know but I loved it and um, I think it was the poetry that like drew me to that world and then I guess it just kind of started to notice that there was this new kind of um, confidence happening in Ireland in the hip-hop scene whereby our own accents, are, be it in English or the Irish language and poetry and drawing on the um, that deep well, I suppose, of culture that the time had kind of come and I just wanted to capture that moment in time where in the scene with through the eyes of um, uh, four different artists that are... Um, kind of making music in that genre. And how did you find the artists? Because they're from so many different worlds, they're, you know, different perspectives within that world as well and reflecting something different each one and using the language in such a different way. So it's, yeah. it's very powerful. Um, well, the producer, um, 
Jennifer Healy, she also had made a series on um, called Mufrave and it, one of the documentaries looked at hip hop and so she, two of the artists that were in that um, series are in this film and then I had been listening to Strange Boy and he's one of the artists there from Limerick and just was kind of blown away by how he was, what he was doing with traditional music but also again in his poetry, it's like Austin Clark but kind of modern day in a way or, and then Feda, I knew her work as well and just thought she was just so interesting and what she was doing with Chanos and um, Wasulu music so that's kind of, so it just kind of was really about approached them and said you know I'm doing this film would you be interested in you know taking part so that's how it kind of came about I guess there are two very unique voices in the film in um, the the chap his name is Strange Boy Strange Boy yeah he's so emotional and, and honest but like it, it's so raw his work and he really gets to the core of like so many social issues that are happening and then I think that blend of West African with Irish, it's such a it's such a kind of glorious testament to how Ireland is changing for the better and Gaeltacht is changing and that, that notion of national identity is, is changing for the better and how how evolved it, it is when it's when it's all together and, and bigger than some of its parts. Like her music is just beautiful. Yeah. And I guess it is another layer of it. it is an exploration of identity and how Ireland is changing and like how what an amazing kind of melting pot of music and what it's the result of that. Through music literature there's loads of I suppose in many genres like um or many disciplines of art you can see that now happening like you know so I suppose this is just one particular area like a quite niche like you know in, <laughs> in hip-hop but uh you know it's personal stories like strange boys real like his 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 life is kind of on the page there like you know and his um but I suppose Oshie Mack and Mari are more um the activists like role and um, very much the Irish language is their kind of uh, vehicle to kind of, um, I suppose, to express their, themselves, you know. And it's it's really wonderful. And I just want to go to Radical Hearts again because it really tackles how these are the stories that we haven't heard quite as much, you know, around the 1916 centenary. And you go into their personal lives and how it affects their activism and, and their voices professionally and the support they had for one another as well in a society that didn't always welcome them. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what drew you to that era? Um, uh, well, I, I love history. <laughs> um, like History for me literally matters. You know, If you think of history as being the story of how we arrived where we're at, it's the story of who we are now, why our lives are the way they are now, why our society is the way we are now. And so I always find it really interesting to look back and go, you know, what led us to this point? Why are we the way we are? And this is history, you know, that's history is vital and alive for me. It, it informs everything that we do today and, and the world that we live in. Um, but the telling of history really matters too, because it's like very often we have just very dominant narratives of what our Irish Revolution was about, you know, it was about the, the heroes and the, the, the male heroes and the military leaders and the battles. And But actually, no, it's about real people. It's about normal, everyday human beings, male and female. And there was a huge female contribution to it, too. And so I love subversive history. <laughs> I love history that, like, concentrates on stories that are neglected and sidelined. And I think if you're a woman, very often you are sidelined from history. And then if you were a gay woman, you were doubly sidelined because your life, your life was twice invisible 
invisible. You were invisible because you were a woman, but you were even more invisible because you were you were gay or queer, and um, because your life would be even less documented. You know what I loved about the women in radical arts as well is that they were all actually very left wing, <laughs> and they were all very radical in their politics and radical in their demands for a better, more equal society. And I just that kind of subversive history is what I really love. Um, so the process of making a documentary is fascinating in itself. And there's such a wealth of um, insight into both subject matters that you guys have in the film. And I just want to talk about the level of research. Now, I know for, for you, Kira, it's, it's, the, it's the lived experience. But is there, you know, to, to find these people, to go into that world, to, to kind of navigate it again. Um, talk to me about, you know, like what it kind of takes to, to capture it. It's funny, I was talking about this last night, just in the Q&A. Um, time and just being with the, the subject, like, I, I, when it comes to shooting, I'm really interested in the process, the artist process, and that's kind of what the film is about, spending time with these artists in a moment in their lives where they're making this kind of music. And so there's, no, like... I like the quieter moments as much as the, you know, the the concerts or, you know, so for me it's about spending time and a lot of the time that may not involve having a huge plan for the day ahead. I kind of know, okay, I want to do kind of a rough sketch of what, what I want to achieve in the day, but it's just giving it space to breathe and I suppose a lot of that comes down to working with the same crew a lot so you don't really need to have that fear of um because what would i say sometimes when you're when you're going on a day's shooting with someone and you're there's an expectation okay what are we going to get out of today whereas i think often when you're working with people you trust for a long time you don't kind of go in you don't have those fears so you can be much freer so Spending time with the artists like Strange Boy or Oshin Mack and just letting them um, do their thing and you kind of disappear in that space. Yeah. yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, you just try and disappear in as much as you can, like, you know, when you have a massive camera in, in their space. But that's what I like to spend the time on, like, is just... Um, um, giving that, giving that space, and letting them like, and that day, like, just talking about with Strange Boy down Clare, we we did, you know, spent I don't know how many days just in that space, um, and letting them work through a whole piece of music, and you know, you'd love even more time, you know, you just want to, I mean, with a, like with budgets and days, you are set to a certain amount of days, but like, um. I think that I really took away from this film as well myself is like it it is the the process that I'm interested in and as long as you can give to that with an artist like and not be afraid of a, um of not having the plan and not um and just letting things happen. Um, and I want to talk about Radical Hearts as well because again this is an area of um time that you are familiar with that you obviously have done research for past projects did you come across the the kind of the straight washing element and know this is something that I really want to dig deep into did you get maybe one person's story and go in like how did you kind of get into that space and um, I was really lucky in that I worked with Mary McAuliffe who's a historian um, a fabulous historian who's done an awful lot of research in this area um, already 
Um, but she's not Mary. Mary's the main person who's doing it now. She's not the first person to have done it. Like people like Marie um, von Holland and, you know, and other people would have started it earlier back in the nineties. But it's that typical thing of female academics that very often women who do this research often don't get given the same voices or the same opportunities or aren't put on panels, you know, and don't get the same recognition for their work historically that they've been doing. So even when these stories have been uncovered by female historians, they've also been sidelined again. So it's only now that a kind of head of steam has been built up and it's starting to become much more mainstream and and people like Mary um, McAuliffe are such a great uh, spokesperson for that kind of research so I was very very lucky I think that um, I mean I'm a documentary maker I'm not a historian so I always rely on the historians to to, to you know kind of use their um, to, to bring me the research basically so I do do some research but like it's really their work in, in that arena but I'm really lucky that it's starting to build up a head of steam where people are acknowledging these stories and, and acknowledging the work of female academics finally properly so <laughs> about time <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, so what does documentary mean to you in that respect like what would you see the purpose of your craft to be like is is it to get a good story across is it to change people's minds so um, if we start with radical hearts okay i make things because i don't know how to not make things <laughs> that's the honest truth like i just need to make stuff i just need to make stuff um it just yeah I, it's just i i've always just made stuff in different forms and it's like i can't stop <laughs> but wider wider than that like i do really believe in the power of telling stories and and how it defines us as human beings is what we do is how we make sense of who we are our existence how we give meaning and value to things is to tell stories about them and documentary making even though it's dealing with reality it's still telling stories you're like you're in a documentary you never nail reality right it's never the definitive version of reality that you put in a documentary you are telling a story about reality always but it's really important this kind of stories we tell and this and who we tell them about um i just think that's really important and i know kira like you said yours is niche but it's not it's it's much more universal than that too and it's about the creative process and i think that's something that speaks to everybody and, yeah, and so i just think yeah storytelling as human beings is really important so and i think documentary making is is really a really important part of that and yeah we'll go yeah. to your your yeah, it's similar in that i think it is about storytelling and people i mean i started off as a researcher so my job is to go out and kind of meet people and you know ask, get them to tell you their story and it's about connection for me you know with people and that's why i make films and, and long after the film is over like I'm connected to the people I've made the films about and creating a new network and friendships, you know. So, yeah, that's what it's about for me, really. I think it is about... Like, it always goes back to that, yeah. So I think with Radical Hearts, it's like a retrospective look, like kind of what we have learned from our past mistakes. And I'm just wondering if there's anything you found out while making that film that maybe surprised you about Irish history. Like it is something that you obviously are well versed in from your previous films, but is there anything that was maybe surprising in that process, maybe about yourself or about the world in general? Because like, um, About those women, what really surprised me is how modern they felt. Do you know, um, they lived 100 years ago, but like there was a couple, uh, a couple of women, uh, two women, one who's Irish and one who's Irish American, and they um, adopted a child between themselves. Do you know? And it was really radical to do that in 1916. Um, okay, they did it in San Francisco, but, but it's still. And then to realize just how, how, 
how playful and adventurous and open a certain cohort of people were in Ireland about exploring sexual identity and ideas of sexuality and family and, and, and reshaping ideas of family and, and, and gender identity and how really forward they were and how really modern they are. They're like, they foreshadowed the discussions we have now about sexuality and sexual identity they foreshadowed it so so much hundred years ago and it's really amazing to, to realise that that was happening here in Ireland and those ideas were moving through Ireland at the time I found that just mind-blowing yeah you do paint this wonderful and um, like kind of cohort of really um interesting people challenging expectations but like really mucking in and working hard and I think that's what's so wonderful about it and I do think that's to bring it back to Ophale that's like you capture a community of, of people thriving and creating and working together and it's something that's so wonderful to watch and to like almost get a little peek behind the curtain of but is there anything that surprised you about that world or is there anything that you surprised you about the subject matter maybe that you weren't expecting um I suppose it's kind of um, different again with this because it's an ensemble piece, you know, and there's four very different characters, you know. Um, but, um, I mean, I suppose I knew, like, about how they were kind of looking, um, I suppose, deep into the well of Irish culture to draw out music, but the different, like, sources of inspiration, I suppose, was something I wasn't aware of. For instance, with Oshin, like, he's kind of, uh, Oshin Mack is drawing on, like, speeches from the likes of the writer Marty O'Kine from the 1960s, like, and mixing those into his, with his lyrics, like, amazing, amazing kind of, um, uh, like fusion, like I mean, I studied Irish in college, like and did Crane Killer, the um, uh, Martin O'Kane book. You just never would have imagined that happening, like you know that those two things, those two worlds would collide, like and just the potential is amazing to see, you know. And now even talking to Strange Boy recently, he was talking about you know he's getting more and more into Irish folklore, and like it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Or, or with Feda and, and getting deeper into Shannon. So, yeah, as she says in the film, actually, she said, um, you know, we're kind of just at the start of something. And another line from Oshin, and I really love this line, I was, when this happens with the films I make, I grab onto a line and that becomes the source of inspiration for the next film. But I, I feel like I'm clutching onto this line. He said, you need to a giri dolishtaka crack and din ganella, which means like, you don't need to go into the field, get under the skin of somebody else. You can be yourself, and that's what this music is about. And it's about a new confidence, like that's there. So, yeah, that sort of feeds into my next question a little bit. In that, if you had unlimited time or resources, what like is there an aspect of how it translates internationally, or is is there more, like one character you'd like to really spend dig into more? Um, I yeah, maybe. I think maybe it would have been if it was a longer film to have maybe another artist in there, um, but and more time. Yeah, of course you'll always want more time. <laughs> and what radical hearts? Is there anything? If there were, you know, any area that you would have like? I mean, there was so much happened in that you could nearly have episodic <laughs> season. Uh, you always want more money and you always want more resources. Yeah. <laughs> and you always want to do it bigger and you always want to do it better. And you oh, you never finish a film really because like, you just have to... Budgetary uh, con- 
constraints and deadlines mean that you have to deliver and that's the film done. But in your head as a director, you're always going, oh, I wish I could do this or I could change that. I mean, that's just the nature of the, the creative process. It's just the nature of the beast. But I'm actually really lucky in that my next one I'm doing for T.G. Kahar, um, that I'm starting in a month's time, um, it's actually following the end of that um, generation of revolutionary activist women who really fought for um, like equality and, and a socialist republic that was really sold out by the new free state. Um, but basically, I get to swallow, I, I get to follow the end of that, their, their final swan song, when they support De Valera into power and the founding of Fianna Fáil. They all back him because he's the last great white hope that they may actually... <laughs> to be absolutely massively betrayed by him afterwards. So I get to tell the end of the story in the next one. That has a different, not quite an upward arc But again, it needs to be said. But I get to follow that generation of activist women to the very end, which is really important to me. So I am very aware we have, but it doesn't think anyone had anything they'd like to ask. Are you happy with the reaction it's received? Documentaries. Oh, I'm thrilled. I was so nervous this morning, like a couple of hours ago before the screening. I was absolutely, completely nerve-wracked and the reception has been so warm and so supportive and so many people came up to me and, and said that they felt it was a really important, powerful story and that the women in it were just amazing and that's just so warming for me. And so I'm on a complete high. <laughs> I'm extremely happy now, so thanks. <laughs> yeah. Likewise, yeah, amazing. It's kind of like coming home coming to the flat with the film because I lived in Galway for 10 years so yeah a lot of people were there last night a lot of friends and yeah it's great um, it's always interesting different audiences take different things like up in Belfast it was on in uh, Docks Ireland and much more uh, political around the language you know the reaction there was the questioning was a lot was around that um, subject and then last night it, it kind of moves into it more about uh, I suppose the music and identity so it's interesting just the, the different reactions to work. And just um, I mean I just had a question there what was the choice behind black and white was it? Was yeah um, I think so I, I had intended for it to be in colour and then when I start uh, before I started we had a few false starts because of Covid and every time we tried to start shooting um somebody got COVID (laughs) so our gigs were cancelled or whatever so but it was the best thing that ever happened because it's just I just decided no actually I want to change this and spoke to Colin Hogan the GOP I work with and said I want to shoot this black and white he was like yeah let's do it it's just much more um cinematic I suppose democratic and in another way um it's an ensemble piece and it just felt like right first so that's the reason behind it yeah great and I, I did have a question about um the dramatic recreations as well they're very um beautiful and, and intimate um do you do you feel as a director it's stretching a very different muscle when you do those to when you're working with you know archival footage or sourcing things um, I started off in drama. My background is in drama. So I think actually there's um, a drama director in me trying to get out. <laughs> so I work with dramatic reconstructions and actors whenever I can because I just adore actors. I don't know how they do what they do, but I adore them and I adore watching what they do. So I love that entire process. Um, but it felt really right through the archives. We've only got glimpses of these relationships and you know glimpses and diaries and newspaper reports and letters. And so it felt right to have a visual style that was kind of based on glimpses of these women and glimpses of the intimacy between them that wasn't very explicit but gave a really strong sense of 
the bond and the connection between them. And so, yeah, so p- part of it is because I love just directing actors, and, and part of it was also because, yeah, it did actually suit the material and the topic too. So. Uh, sound played such an important part for both films. Radical Hearts, it just gave it such a dramatic flair and, and really underpinned those kind of heartfelt moments in a way that, you know, like it's a historical documentary, it could be dry, but actually I found myself really brought on a journey of these women's lives when you're watching it. And I do think the sound mix... Um, really did that. Can you talk to me about kind of creating that? Yeah, I think it's sound and music as well. I think music plays such a part in connecting people and in evoking uh, emotion. So um, we were very lucky. We had songs from the Pillow Queens and we had songs from Ellie Mai <laughs> too, um, who basically gave us permission because they loved the whole um, theme and the whole subject matter. And so they, they basically very gratefully, like we couldn't have afforded them really otherwise, but they, they did donate them. But then we had this um, gorgeous kind of sound bed designed by a composer called Darren. Um, Sheehan like really low rough cellos and like rough strings and, and it was really evocative and, and it got very dramatic in places but it was very sweet in, in others and I yeah I have to say I, I loved the, the sound score but that was that was Darren's magic you know, composing so yeah. and I don't even need to say how important sound was to yours but I mean it's capturing a lot of movements um, like it's observing them observing the sound as well is that tricky to kind of catch on sight and then to, to mix yeah Definitely, and in a lot of different spaces, like in small little recording booths or home studios, more DIY setups to gig setups, and um, and you know, and then the natural sounds, I suppose, around recording or being spending time with the artists in the countryside or with Oshin, who's you know in the middle of Stony Batter. So yeah, the, uh, I mean, yeah, it's an. Uh, important part an essential part of it but yeah it's balancing I suppose quieter moments with the kind of booming energy of the of the rap. And then what was it like working with TG Kaher on this um, you know like from the development process what maybe just talk us through it what was it like? Great I mean I worked with them now for like you know 20 odd years like since producing and being directed with so Support of like Conchis Negron has just been amazing like over the years and um this was funded through the Eldana scheme, which is um it's like the Irish language real art, I suppose. It's um uh the Arts Council and Teacher Carr, it's a feature doc scheme that has a broadcast as well. So it's an amazing um scheme, but I always say like it's a real privilege to get to make films like this because the opportunities are few and far between for funding films like that, so, yeah. I like working with Teacher Kahar for me is just magic. Um, they have been so supportive of all my documentaries and so supportive of my career. Like, Teacher Kahar for me are so um, kind of forward-thinking and creative and um, they risk-taking in terms of the programmes and, and the documentaries that they will um, that they will commission way more I think than a lot of broadcasters and so they're they're literally my always my home they're like my, my first port of call is always to Titi Kahar and I have an amazing commissioning editor in Laura Nicchiali um, who's just she's so receptive to ideas and she'll always talk stuff through with me and she just gets it you know and then if she's on board the idea she's fully on board and she'll go to bat for it and yeah like Tita Kara for me is actually just my creative home and I wouldn't have the career I have without them 
and their risk taking and, and doing great work supporting women so we're very grateful to have them on board as our new sponsor and partner so um, thank you to TG Cahar and the great work they do and um, thanks to our chair Dr Susan Liddy who's out there fighting the good fight all the time a big shout out to our brilliant members who support the work that we do the main so thank you guys so much Thank you for your beautiful film. We also caught up with the wonderful Dr. Mary McAuliffe about her contributions and insights into radical hearts. Well, I mean, the research is is done over a multitude of different archival sources and uh, archives, National Library, uh, UCD archives, various other places. Um, and it's been a very interesting process of pulling all this material together. When people say uh, these stories aren't in the archives, they actually are. Uh, you just have to be looking for them, uh, basically taking a queer eye to the archives. Uh, in a way, I also take you know, a gendered eye to the archives as, as part of my broader research on women in Irish history and women in the revolutionary period. So this was just a kind of a layering on of, a, of, a, of a, another lens looking at this material. Um, and while there isn't a huge amount of it there, there is enough to uh, come up with these histories and make that analysis of the relationships between the women that are in uh, um, Radical Arts, uh, Korea Rad- Radica, the, the documentary we've just seen. Yeah. Well, initially it started as something that that's became more and more obvious as I was looking at these women as public activists and public radicals and revolutionaries. And then I realized that they were actually, they had private lives that were informing their public activism as well. And these uh, private lives were at odds with the expectation of marriage and motherhood and domesticity for women at the time. Um, And so I kind of put it aside, but then looked at it again and thought this is something that is actually worthy and worth looking into in a deeper way and, and seeing it as a project in and of itself. Um, because, uh, as was said in the documentary, I think we have to understand their public lives in relation to their private lives. They, they meld together and gel together. And you, you really can't understand these women's lives without that holistic, whole understanding of their lives, public and private. And I suppose it comes from the second wave feminism uh, adage as well, which I'm very much influenced by the personal is political. Um, Well, the thing is with women's lives is they are oftentimes more hidden. You know, when you look at uh, the history of of gay men, because gay male homosexuality was was criminalised, obviously you have a huge criminal record archive you also have you know, scandals and stories, whereas women's lives generally are less um, looked at, make it, uh, fewer make it into the public record, unless it's about scandals, less about horrible things like the Magdalene laundries or the mother and baby homes. Um, so finding the private lives of these women gives us a, a wider and, and deeper perspective of who these women were, what motivated them, what their support systems were, who they loved, who they cared about. Um, And it's all there in the archives. Uh, But broadening out from that, I mean, this was a a particular cohort, the revolutionary women, suffrage, socialist, feminist activists of the early 20th century and into the Irish Free State. And now I want to broaden out that research 
back into the 19th and 18th century um, because, of course, we have LGBT histories from the 1970s onwards, second wave feminism and sexual liberation movements and all of that. But we need to look back as well and see what these histories are in the 19th century and the 18th century and back further into the Middle Ages because there are, those histories are there. They just need to be brought out of the archives. Uh, and there are quite a number of scholars doing that. Um, uh, but the more that do it, the, the more histories we will get. Um, I am a historian, but I'm also a feminist. Um, and, uh, you know, any feminist worth their soul will tell you you're always let down by the establishment, no matter what period of feminism you're working in. And so, yeah, they, they were, like, they had very radical ideas about equality and socialism and inclusion. Um, and they, the Irish Free State was a very conservative, uh, faith-bound state that saw women's position as very constrained within the domestic um, I mean, it's written into the Constitution with the Women in the Home articles. So they were very aware that they, they were on the losing side, not just the anti-treaty side, as many of them were anti-treaty, but they were the losing side in terms of the state that was created. It was no country for radical women. Uh, it, it, they were basically told to go back into the home, and they were seen as, you know, cranks and d- disruptors and, and not trusted um, when Kathleen Lynn... Uh, was campaigning to uh, develop a new children's hospital with amalgamation of St. Ultans and Harcourt Street. The Catholic Church, including with the Archbishop of Dublin running it, Edward Byrne at the time, and backed up by the head of, uh, of Blackrock College at the time, John Charles McQuaid, totally uh, made sure that that didn't happen because they would have no control over the hospital that would come into being because it was going to be a secular hospital with women working in it. And, and you know, that, they were not to be trusted. Um, so the state they got was one they had to operate in, but it was not the one they wanted. And so, yeah, there was a lot of disappointment, but they made the best of it. And they also, I think their support systems helped them do that. As well as a whale producer, Jennifer Healy. I'm a big music fan, first of all. Um, and I produced a series for RTE called My Tribe. Mohrev. It was a bilingual series about music subcultures. And one of those episodes was about hip-hop. And just with the hip-hop episode in particular, I was just struck by like how vibrant the scene is and how I felt like... Like, obviously, there's been a lot of Irish hip-hop over the years, like Scary Area and lots, lots of other examples of that. But it just feels at the moment like there's a movement now of hip-hop that's authentically Irish, that's using our heritage and our culture. And so just when I was making that, that series, I thought, you know, there's something more in this that I'd love to explore. I, I found out about, you know, Ildana were looking for new projects and they were looking to explore new worlds within the arts. And I just thought, that's, that's a, you know, it's a really interesting maybe thing that they haven't done before. So um, I kind of knew a couple of the artists already. So Mari was in um, my tribe and I knew Oshin from my tribe, a new strange boy kind of on the periphery. And then we got in touch with Fada. And uh, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of how that came about. I got in touch with Kira Nikormak, who's director, and we kind of, uh, I, I kind of, told her what I was thinking and she was like she was on board as well so we kind of pitched then to TG Carr and they really liked what we did Um, and so they 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 very much kind of gave us free reign to go off and do it and obviously there was kind of back and forth with rough cuts to them when we got to that point but they very much kind of let us do our thing once they knew what our vision was for it. 
Uh, well, I suppose because it was an ensemble, we wanted to cover different bases, I guess. You know, obviously the Irish language is very important to us, so we went with Oisín and Maury. Um, and then Strange Boy is just he's such a phenomenal talent, and he's I think he's going to be huge like he's on the cusp of something amazing you know he's a real real talent um, he puts his kind of vulnerability out there and it's such a courageous thing to do I think um, yeah so his performances are really powerful like the scene in Doolin was one of my favourite things that we've ever done like it was it was um, it was beautiful so no he's incredible and then Feta obviously we wanted to have a woman in there and you know her influence of that like kind of combining Shannos and West African it, it is and it makes so much sense when you hear her talking about it and then when you see her perform so we just yeah we wanted to cover different bases with the ensemble and it just felt like they were the right four people to do that this event was made possible with the support of Commission Naman to support the work we do make sure your membership is up to date at wft.ie or buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash wft ireland